Well, now we're going to be distracted for another two or three minutes here. Um, you can flip through them and look through them. There's nothing uh, that fancy or interesting there. What it is, is I want you to put forth the energy and effort to fill them out. <clears throat> Some of you are uh, prolific note takers, and that's great. You don't have to take notes in this. Numbers of you, especially on this side of the room, are not prolific note takers. Um, and I want, you to fill, I want you to use this and put notes in here. It'll give you an opportunity to ponder and pray <clears throat> over the things that you've heard and things that stick out to you and things that you'd like to look more into later. <clears throat> There's some more back here if, someone, if you're still missing some. So again, it's just kind of some repeat things. Um, each day. But obviously, fairly simple, straightforward, I think. Title, subtitle, whatever goes up here at the top, some notes. I will frequently draw some of my thoughts up here on the board, and you can draw those in that slot that says diagram slash drawing. Then some more notes. Um, the second page here, I will give you a diagram to put in here uh, later on here today. And we'll, you'll work off of that, and I'll, I'll walk through that with you. You'll work off of that some a little bit later through the week. And then this, the section you'll find here on a daily basis just has numerous questions. And I just encourage you, if you have the opportunity, whether it's sitting quietly in your seat or whether it's in one of your prayer rooms or something, ponder these questions and fill them out. Again, um, the bottom three will relate to the diagram. I think it'll make more sense after today. <clears throat> so, use these. really encourage you, use them, fill them out. Um, those of you that have done some of that before, you realize you can look back later and ponder and your parents ask you what happened that week and you can look through them. And <clears throat> I had, don't think I've regretted the energy and effort and time I put into writing things down. As a young man, especially I, on weeks like this, preparing, I flip through folders and folders and piles and piles and stacks of papers, sometimes searching for one I know I wrote back when I was, you know, however old, and, and I'm searching for those thoughts, and write. You won't regret it. Well, God bless you, each one. I feel very privileged to get to be here with you all, and... I also feel a, um, a great responsibility. It was only a few years ago, 20 years ago or so, I sat right here where you all sat, and I was molded. I was affected. I was changed. So I guess I'm excited also. I just love Bible school. I have since I was first time I went, 23 years ago. And I still love to be here with you all. <clears throat> Let's just jump in here. Lost lives. We were walking in uh, the parking lot here, and uh, I think it was Melvin turned to me and said, Well, that's an interesting title you have. And I, 
I, I realize that. It's a little bit of a play on words, but I think Jesus did that. As you'll see, we'll go into Mark chapter 8 a good bit here. Um, and I, I hope to, we'll get to that here and draw out something I, I want us to ponder and base off of. <clears throat> but that term lost lives can be taken two ways. We know we talk of people lost in eternity, but our Lord Jesus also talked about losing our lives. <clears throat> and I think you, you probably know that's the, the side that I'm talking about when I lift up lost lives is lives that are on the side where Jesus said, losing is saving. And that's the title this morning. Losing is saving. Overall, sure, lost lives. But the title this morning, losing is saving. Young people, as I ponder you all and try to put myself back just a few years and realize life has a lot in front of you. Life doesn't have a lot behind you. And that's good. And sometimes I know you all, as you look at the future, you wonder what's up ahead, what's going to happen. And the, one of the burdens on my heart this morning is that life in the United States of America, living where we live, has a tremendous amount of variety to offer to us, even as followers of Christ. There are so many options. There, are, there is so much potential. There is so many things to live for. And I believe it's one of the devil's tactics with all of this to live for to distract us. And to distract us from what God wants us to live for. So as I have prayed and pondered and thought of you all, the burden on my heart this week is, oh, that God would catch a, help us catch a vision in each of our hearts for the glorious joy of a lost life. Taking our lives and making them lost in the sense that Jesus presents here in Mark chapter 8 that we'll look at. Oh, that God would do that. And each of your lives is my prayer. Lives lost for Him. Lost, I'm going to present two little pictures. And they're very simple little pictures. But two little pictures. And one is Mr. Seashells and the other is Old Betty. In light of lost. To try to give us a picture of lost. Mr. Seashells, there was a story in the Reader's Digest in 1998 which told of a couple who took an early retirement from their jobs um, and he was 59 and she was 51 and they took an early retirement. They had planned ahead. They had lived their lives the way they wanted to. They had thought about their future carefully. They had planned and so here they are, 59, 51, retired and now they moved down to Florida and they have a nice place down there in Florida, and they're, they're enjoying a, an extended, older span of life and time, and they're spending it down there in Florida, enjoying themselves. They have a boat, and they like to play games, and they like to uh, pick up seashells along the seashore as they walk. 59, 51, retired, and they're going to live it up, live you know, they, they've prepared. But can you picture them? Can you picture them on Judgment Day? 
as they stand before God, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know how we're going to think or feel. Maybe I shouldn't say stand before God. Every knee shall bow. So however it will be. But they're before God and they hold up and, and this won't happen. But just picture and in their hands they say, Here Lord, um, here's some seashells. And that's what they have to offer. Seashells they picked up along the sand as they went. Is that a lost life? In the one sense, it's lost. But they didn't lose it to save it. They tried to save it and they lost it. Old Betty, though very poor, was very active. She visited the sick. Out of her poverty, she gave to those who were still poorer. She learned of the Lord Jesus and was earnestly following Him, collected a little money from others when she didn't have any to give herself. And she served and she went to many and helping in the poor areas where she lived and she would help them in their sickness and help them in their weaknesses and their pain. And <clears throat> At last she caught a cold and rheumatism and lay in her bed about a month, pain-worn and helpless. A Christian went to see her and asked her, if her active habits she did not find hard to change. She was actively serving, giving, helping here and there. Here you are on your deathbed, um, Betty, is, is this not difficult? Her response was, no, sir, not at all. When I was well, I used to hear the Lord say day by day, Betty, go here. Betty, go there. Betty, serve this person. Betty, serve that person. And I used to do it as well as I could, she said. Now, she said, I hear him say, Betty, lie still and cough. Betty, just lie still and cough. And she passed on, and she'll stand before her Lord, or kneel, or however it is. She won't have seashells, but she lost her life, dear old Betty, lost her life in serving others. In, in the midst of her poverty, she shared what she could and she poured out her life and she'll stand before God. Now, which one was lost? Which one? In light of lost lives, I just share those two little illustrations. Just ponder Mr. Seashells and old Betty. Which one do we want to be? I think it's obvious. I know what we'd all say because it's the right thing to say. The question is not so much what we say that determines. It's not our stated desire that determines our destiny, but our small, everyday decisions that we make day by day by day. It's not our small, sorry, it's not our stated desire that determines our destiny. It's our small, everyday decisions. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Lost lives. What does lost mean? What did Jesus mean when He said this? And I just give those two little pictures as we're pondering lost. Remember this morning, <clears throat> losing is saving. Mark chapter 8. We're just going to read through this. I'll make a few comments. And then <clears throat> I'm hoping to um, draw out a chart that we'll base some things on. Okay, yes, absolutely. But let's just read through this and then I'll try to put it in a, a visual way that is helpful to me. And, and He, Jesus, began to teach them. Our Lord Jesus 
began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I want us to note at the beginning, it says he began to teach them. So his heart and burden in point is not just the teaching we're going to get later here in verse 33 and on, but he's beginning to teach them by telling them what he is going to do. So in his prophecy, there's some teaching going on. He began to teach them that the Son of Man is going to be rejected, suffer, rejected, killed, and rise again. And he spake that saying openly. So here's our Lord. He's communicating this and this and this is going to happen to me. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Lord, not this. That's not right. You shouldn't have to die. You shouldn't have to suffer. You're Lord. I don't know what all he said, but along that line. But when he, Jesus, had turned about and looked on his disciples. Remember we said teach at the beginning. Here also it says he looked on his disciples. So he didn't just look at Peter. Again, I think there's teaching happening in this. He looked on his disciples. All of you disciples, you heard what Peter just said. And now I'm going to say something that I want you to hear. He turned about, looked on his disciples, and he turned and rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Peter, you're savoring the wrong thing, Peter. You're not seeing this lost Save. Save. Lose. You're not seeing this thing from the way that God sees it. You are looking at it from the way man looks at it. Peter, you're missing it. You're savoring what mankind generally savors, not what God savors. And when he had called his people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever, now listen, whosoever will come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Whosoever will be Mr. Seashells and seek to save his life in this life, he'll lose it, lost, gone. But whosoever, like dear old Betty, is willing to take their lives and say, Lord, lost for you. Lost. I'm willing to lose not my plans, not my dreams, not my burdens, not my desires, but yours. Lost. That is saving it, Jesus said. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? Really, be reasonable. Jesus is saying, be reasonable here. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father 
with the holy angels. On to verse 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. In your little slot there, I want you each to diagram this. If you want to use a larger paper, that's fine. But I want you just to ponder with me and try to put some of these verses into a little graph so that we can ponder them the rest of the week and look at them from different angles and how this applies to us. Losing, remember, is saving. So here we have Jesus' path. If you remember here back in verse 31, He began to teach them What are the three things culminating in the fourth actions we find here in verse 31 that Jesus is going to do? Three things culminating in the fourth. Name those three things to me. Suffer. Suffer. Next, someone else? Be rejected. Rejected. Be killed. And how does it culminate? Thank you. Rise again. This here is the path that Jesus took. And He began to teach them. This path that I took down here is a teaching for us. He says, this is the way I go. I suffer I'm rejected, I'm killed, and I rise again. Let's go on here. We have two categories. I think we see in verse 33, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou savorest not the things that be of God. And so here, this path here is going to be the things that be of God. That's Jesus' path. Was the things that be of God. Not the things that be of I said men. Did he say man or men? Things that be of men. Jesus path, suffer, be rejected, be killed, rise again. This is the Jesus path and it's of the things that be of God. Whosoever will come after me. Now Jesus is showing us another path. Whoever will come after me and tell me those three things that you find here. Whosoever will come after me, what does he say? Deny. Next. Take up cross. Next. Follow me. And he says, 
This is my call to you. I'm going to call this the losing path. Because whosoever will lose his life, he will what? Again, we find the losing path culminating in saving. This is the things that be of God. This is savoring. This is the perspective of God's perspective of the path. Let's go on. This is the losing path. And I hope as we switch between losing and saving, you don't get mixed up. Jesus did it here, so I decided I'm going to do it. And I hope as you wrestle between which lose are we talking about, which save are we talking about, you wrestle with the principle. So then Jesus gave us, he went on. He says, for whosoever will save his life. Okay, so now we're going to have another path over here. We're going to have the saving path. And whoever seeks to save his life, how's it going to end up? How's it going to end up? I'll lose it. Lost. So, what is this saving path? We see Jesus' path, the scriptures we read. We see the losing path he shared with us. What is this saving path? Whosoever, verse 35, will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. I can't, I don't know if I can write on the side very well. My, sorry, I'm going to do this poorly. Sake and Gospels. That is really hard to read, isn't it? You'll have to flip your paper and do it better. That's the losing path. Is for my sake and the Gospels. The Gospel of the Kingdom, as we see there in Verse nine, uh, chapter nine, verse one. Okay, sorry. Back to this, the saving path. The saving path. What shall it profit a man if he shall what? Gain. And what is he gaining? Gain the world. Okay, we're trying to get what Jesus was saying is the saving path. And what they're doing is they're gaining the world. For what shall a profit a man, verse 36, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Lost, Jesus says. What good is it if you gain here and you lose your soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me. Ashamed of Christ. Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my... Sorry about that.
word. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This lose, this lost here, when we're pursuing the things of men, put this just a little bit higher here. And here, this loss, Jesus will be ashamed of us. Lost. Um, Sometimes I try to hurry and shorten things and actually take longer. He says, I'll be ashamed of you. I'm going to write ashamed of us. Jesus will be ashamed of us. And we'll be lost. What we have is we have our Lord giving us a picture. And here, choices in life. And down here, we have the results. Verse 1 of chapter 9. Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, till they shall see the kingdom of God come with power. And I'm going to put under here, kingdom come. Okay, let's just step back and ponder this a little bit. Jesus began to teach them. Remember, His teaching began here, not here. Not when He began teaching about losing and saving. His teaching began here. He began to teach them and say, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed. And then I'm going to rise again. Peter, looking through the glasses of the things that be of men, Through those glasses, those were the glasses that Peter was looking through, were the things that be of men. And as he looked through those glasses, and he looked at at the path from this perspective, it didn't line up. Suffer? Gain the world? Rejected of people? You know, when you look through this kind of glasses, suffering and being rejected and killed didn't make sense. So he began to say, Lord, no, 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 no. And that's what our Lord said. Peter, listen, you're looking through the wrong set of glasses. You're not looking at this losing and saving thing properly. He says, listen, the losing path, you are going to follow me. You're going to deny yourself. There's going to be suffering there and you're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross in front of people. Sometimes there's going to be rejection. We won't, you won't fit in with the world. <clears throat> You're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. You know what following him means? It's death. Death, die, death. And Jesus says, if you take the losing path, losing is saving. If we follow his path, we save. And do you know what it means? It means his kingdom comes. 
And I think we can take that and translate that into here, yet, on earth, and eternally. As Jesus talked about our eternal soul here, we can take it both ways as we ponder this. But he said, if you want to, excuse me, the path of man, the way man looks at things, you're going to look for ways to gain in the world. How can I gain? Excuse me. And we're just looking at the principle here. We want to break this down through the week as we go and look at different aspects of our life in light of this. But in general, the saving path, when you walk or talk with anyone in the world and their concepts of life, what they're looking is for personal gain. Whether it's reputation, whether it's money, whether it's stuff, whether it's pleasure, they're looking for personal gain. And they want gain here in this life and in the world. They will tend to be ashamed of Christ because what are they concerned about? Me. Me. It's about my gain. And so the ways of Christ and the ways of His Word and what He teaches, they're ashamed of. But Jesus is saying it's lost and He will be ashamed of us. This is the things that be of men. Right here, we get to make choices in life. And these choices determine whether we're in this path or this path. And then there are results. Just ponder with me. Excuse me. Matthew 6, you know this. Lay not up for yourselves treasures up on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So there's a principle here that losing on earth is saving. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where no moth or rust or anything like that will decay. And so somehow we're going to talk about denying some. We're going to talk about taking up our cross. We're going to talk about following Jesus. And it's sometimes it's going to hurt and it's going to cost And there's going to be tears, and there's going to be pain, and there's going to be relationship wrestles. All of these things are going to be here. Again, as we go through the week and we ponder what this actually means to us. All of these wrestles will come into your lives as you begin making choices in life. But if somehow we can get the principle that our Lord Jesus is presenting here, He's not just saying denying, cross, and following, and all is loss. It's saving. And so when I look at something that's difficult in front of me, but I know the difficult thing is following this path, if I realize what I'm doing is I'm saving. Not this kind of saving. This kind of saving. The kind of saving that really matters. And so if I focus on, yes, I will run into wrestles and difficulties, but if I realize as I'm facing those difficulties... Losing is saving. I'm saving as I do this. I'm gaining as I die. I'm laying up treasure as I take up my cross. As I follow Jesus, it is making His kingdom come. It helps us embrace the cross, as some people have put it. It helps us embrace the deaths that we need to die. It helps us embrace the difficult What seems the difficult path? Is it 10.15? Just trying to... 
So again, the, co- the concept is changing our mindset from the things, the way God, view, or from the way men view them to the way God views them. Just picture with me. Here's another verse. I'm just going to quote a few here as I'm trying to uh, move quickly, but, but ponder this concept with you. In Galatians, you know this, Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. I have chosen this path. The Apostle Paul says, I have decided I want to follow my Lord, the path that He took, and I am crucified with Christ. I'm following this. Nevertheless, I live. See, the Apostle Paul had this concept. Crucified, lost, losing, but I live. Again, not just eternally, but now also. I live. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not me anymore that's living. Not the things of men. It's not me that's living anymore. But it's Christ living in me. He chose this path. And the life which I now live in the flesh. He's still in the flesh. okay, In in the body. He's not in His glorified state in heaven. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live for the things that be of men? No. I live for the things that be of God by faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I live this path that my Lord already also walked. <clears throat> I want us to picture two different people in light of this. Two different people and how they responded. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Two people and the way they responded when they saw this path. We, yes, the Apostle Paul chose... <clears throat> And he clearly showed which path he chose. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 23. We have what many times is called the rich young ruler. And a certain ruler, Luke 18, 18, asked him saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What is he looking for? Do you see what this rich young ruler is looking for? He wants this eternal reward here. So he's saying, Master, what must I do that I can have this? I want that, Master. What must I do? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Rich young ruler, you know the commandments. If you want this, and so he listed them off. He responded and said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto them, Yet lackest thou one thing. He was a young man. He was following, Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. He wanted the ultimate saving end. He wanted the saving part. And so he was longing for that. Jesus then said, Yet lackest thou one thing. Jesus looked past what may have seemed like a lot of people have looked on from the perspective of the things that be of men. And they would have said, This young man, it's it's good. It's beautiful. Looks nice. Jesus looked past that and he said, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast. What do you think that had to do with? Didn't it have to do with some of that? 
Sell all that thou hast. Distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. What he was trying to do, this rich young ruler was trying to grasp this one and this one. And he wanted to hold both savings. And Jesus looked past that and he knew, young man, you're trying to run this path and get these results. And it won't work. You're trying to gain the things that you have. You want your reputation with men. You want the things of this life that you have. You're wanting to run down this path, but you want this as a result and hold on to both of these. And Jesus says, you're lacking. Go sell all that you have because you can't go this path and this path at the same time. I want us to picture the the second man. Just briefly, the second man, and and we won't turn there. You can go to Genesis if you want, but you know Abraham. Picture our Abraham. We've all pictured it, but I feel like it's a good picture for us again. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. I would guess in Abraham's mind there was, uh, do what? Sacrifice my son? And I realize there's a whole bunch of things playing into this we're not going to touch. But Lord, lose my son? Yes, Abraham. You travel and you go and you be willing to lose your son. Abraham got up early in the morning, we know. And he took his son and he began the three-day trek to go up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice his son. Isaac was his world. It's what he had been waiting for. It's what he had been hoping for. It's what he had been longing for. And God was saying, take this path. Yes, Abraham, lose. And Abraham walked up the path and he tied his son and he laid him on the altar because he chose this path. And it's in this path that Abraham really ended up where he wanted. I'm sure you've all heard the little phrase, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's this principle. Losing is saving. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep anyway to gain what he cannot lose. Just as we ponder this principle, my heart just yearns. Oh, that you would, and I know many of you, you raise your hands, you would join in and you say, yes, Lord, I want to follow the losing path. And my heart just cries out, yes, young people, do it. The losing path is the path of saving. It's where God can come. And He can come not only in eternal, eternally, but also here and among us and among His people. And it's where His kingdom comes and is established. There was a saying I had years ago that came to me as I was wrestling through these things. As a young person, it was just this simple. Die, Mickey, die. Die. Something comes up before you. A question of how to relate to something, how to relate to someone, whether it's my own pride, it's my own flesh. My Die, Mickey, die. Just die! Losing is the path of saving. <clears throat> I 
again, I'm just trying to help us ponder this path of losing. It will hurt as you ponder, as you pray together. There will be times I'm expecting this week, some of you, it will hurt to relate to someone else some of the wrestles in your life. You know there are some wrestles there, or whether there's some sin and it's hidden and it's covered, whatever the issues are, or you're going to be wrestling with a decision in life and you're going to share it with others. Things hurt in life. But the principle I want us to ponder before we get more practical as the week goes on is losing is saving. It's that simple. And so as the pain churns in there, remember, I'll never regret it to lose. Never. Never regret it. No matter what are the issues that you're facing. And just in light of this, I know this poem was written in light of someone dying physically. But just ponder it in light of this path. What are we afraid of in this path? Afraid of what? To feel the Spirit's glad release. To pass from pain, again, not just physical, but things you're going to wrestle with, to perfect peace. The strife and strain of life to cease. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face. To hear His welcome and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace. Afraid of what? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? A flash, a crash, a pierced heart. Brief darkness, light, heaven's art, a wound of His. A counterpart, afraid of that? Afraid of what? To enter into heaven's rest and yet to serve the Master blessed. From service good to service best. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To do by death what life could not. Baptize with blood the stony plot. Till souls shall blossom from the spot. Afraid of that? We don't have anything to be afraid of. Our Lord Jesus walked this path. So just join me as we ponder this week. Losing is saving. Losing the dreams you have for your life. Those things hurt. I've faced those things too. I know what it is. I Just a short picture in my own life. Just three years ago, whenever it was, when I left Zanzibar and I'm, I was standing outside and I felt like God was closing that door. I was standing outside our house and I was looking across and there's a mosque right across from our house. And there was a man, that, more than one night, but there were... The picture in my own mind, as I walked back and forth, my children were in bed, and it's dark out, and the cool, in an African setting, the cool evening was a blessing, and I was just sitting, pondering, praying, Lord, I'm leaving. And there's a man, and he's in the mosque, and he's bowing down, and he's praying. He's lost, and I care about him. And I got to serve there a while, but God said, may he die to that. We need to die sometimes to our dreams and say, Lord, losing somehow, I believe, is saving. Good dreams. Sure, bad dreams. Sometimes God, authorities, situations, circumstances say, lay them down. Number two, losing your, losing your fleshly desires. Lose them. Lost. Whatever sometimes the flesh comes up. Self. Sin. Losing your pride. What are people thinking about me? What's this going to look like? Losing. Losing what the world has to offer me. Nice things. Nice life. Comfortable. Cozy. Losing a life lived for myself and realizing it's not about me and what I gain. 
It's about my Lord Jesus for my sake and the Gospels. And we'll dig into that some more. Okay, I need to stop at that. I want to give you... I'm going to erase this. And I want to give another little chart here before I stop. And I want us to use this chart as we go through the week. Maybe some of you have seen this. I have used this before. But this, open your page to the, um, what do I say, personal application diagram. Draw this simple little diagram with me. Very simple. Nothing fancy. But again, when I can picture something, it helps me ponder. We have... Where I am at is point A. Where I should be is point B. Point A, and and so the questions, and so I want you just to draw these two men here. And in between these two men... There's steps. And here, down here at these questions, point A, write where I am at or where am I at or where I am at. Maybe I should say where am I at. Let's flip that around and make that a question. That's what I was supposed to do. Where am I at? And you write that on A. B is where should I be? Okay. Sorry about that. Where should I be? Where am I at? And then we have C. Point C is the climb. How do I climb? I want you to write that in C. How do I climb? And you'll see as you go to the next page that you ponder. Take in light of some of the things you're pondering here. Some of the the thoughts and the burdens that come on your own heart and the application, I want you to wrestle in your own heart and mind and with those around you, what does this mean to me that I've been hearing? And so you're going to ask three questions. You're going to say, Lord, where am I at? That's A. Where am I at? What's what's God saying? What, what, What am I wrestling with? And Lord, have you lifted up any vision of where you want me to be? Where should I be? And that's point B. I've heard some things. I've heard the word. I've been pondering things as you sit here all week. There's going to be a lot of things come at you. Where should I be? And you're going to ponder that. Where should I be? And then point number C, question number C is, how do I climb? I feel like too often we'll all acknowledge, yes, I'm not where I should be. And I should be here, but then we leave off point number C. Lord, what practical steps do I put into my life to help me climb? How do I get something that I can get a hold of and practically climb? And so ask these three questions. And as you'll see here, 
on, at the bottom of some of these questions that I would encourage you to ponder in light of the messages here. You have, A, where am I at? Where should I be? And how do I climb? Ponder these three questions as you wrestle with the things that you hear. Lord, where am I at? And then I want to give you... <clears throat> um, I want to encourage you also. Well, I was going to say this. I was going to give you three assignments this week. Um, Number one, fill this out each day. Answer these three questions each day as you find here on the bottom. Answer them on your knees, at least in heart. Lord, where am I at? What are you saying to me? what, What is opening up to my eyes? Where should I be? What are you showing me should be changed in my life? What, where, where, where do I want to be? And then there's going to be, how do I climb? Lord, what do I practically put into my life in the coming weeks to help see the change from here to here? So, number one, fill this out on your, on your knees. Number two, um, I would encourage you, ask some of these questions. Use this little, um, my ABC application chart here. And use it to ask each other questions. You're sitting across from someone. You're not sure what to say or whatever. Use it as a, as a way to begin to ask some questions. So, what about you and A? Where are you at as you've been listening here? Where are you at? Discuss it. Share. Become vulnerable with each other. Where should I be? And how do I climb? So, number two, use this as discussion questions among you in this little chart here. And number three, those of you who would like, we're going to go over the earlier chart numerous times with different applications. And if you would like to memorize Mark 8.31 through 9.1, um, I don't know what other requirements are here, so I'm not going to push it too hard. But those of you who do, uh, maybe I'll ask some of you to share it on Friday. We could stand and say it together. Memorize Mark 8.31 through 9.1. Jesus' words there. <clears throat> Okay. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your example as you showed us how, and then you told us how, and you showed us both paths. Would you help us as we ponder those paths this week and what they mean to us? And what your word means to us in the 21st century. Lord, we want to be faithful. We want to choose Your path. Oh, that each of these, each of us in this room, Lord, we would be lost, losing, so that we're saving. So bless each one, Lord. We love You. We do want to follow. So help us. I commit myself and each of these dear young people to You. In Jesus' name. Amen.